Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you are an avid podcast listener like me, you've probably listened to the show Dr. Death. When it came out in 2018, it shocked listeners by shining a light on the story of Dr. Dunch and the system failure that allowed him to maim and kill 33 patients in Texas. Now in 2020, journalist and host Laura Beale is back with a new story about a doctor who poisoned his patients with drugs they didn't need to treat a disease they didn't have. A doctor who had over 500 victims before being stopped by the FBI. A doctor who deserves the name given to him by his victims, Dr. Death. Season 2 explores the story of Dr. Farid Fada, who for years diagnosed thousands of patients with cancer. And as one of the most well-respected oncologists in Michigan, his patients believed him. They believed him when he told them they needed chemotherapy. And they believed he would save their lives. But he was lying about everything. I'm about to play you a brief clip from the show. But while you're listening, make sure to subscribe to Dr. Death Season 2 on Apple Podcasts, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Download the app today. Imagine you're not feeling well, and it won't go away. A little fatigue, some achiness. A loved one tells you, go see a doctor. So, okay, you go to your doctor and you get some blood work done. When the results come back, there are a few questions. 
your doctor recommends you go see a specialist. My internal medicine doctor said, you know, hey, I sent my mom to him. He's world-renowned Sloan Kettering graduate. A specialist who cares, who's attentive. You know, he had these very soulful eyes. Located in a state-of-the-art inviting office. It was a beautiful building, a beautiful office that had this lovely healing garden attached to it. The doctor takes one look at your lab work. He makes a face, and then he says three of the most horrifying words a patient can hear. You have cancer. You're devastated, but you're also grateful because you believe you caught it early and you're being treated by the best. I would say that his education and experience in Michigan is unparalleled, second to none. Dr. Fareed Fatah is a leading authority in the treatment of cancer in the U.S. Close attention, cutting edge treatments. My care has been phenomenal. The staff is warm and friendly. The care and the caring has just been amazing. All thanks to Dr. Fareed Fatah. Dr. Fata is just a godsend. There should be 150,000 at Dr. Fata's. But fortunately, it will turn out there's only one. Because after months of appointments, hours spent in chemo chairs, poison pumping through your veins, accepting that you might not survive, you learn something that you can barely comprehend. You don't have cancer. You never did. And you're not the only one. From Wondery, I'm Laura Beal, and this is Season 2 of Dr. Death. Since the first season of Dr. Death came out, we've received hundreds of tips about doctors who've abused our medical system. I still get a few every week. On season two, we've investigated the story that people have asked us about more than any other. A story about one doctor in Michigan who manipulated the system to terrifying ends and put hundreds of lives at risk. To hear the whole story, subscribe to Dr. Death Season 2 on Apple Podcasts, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Download the app today. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, in the they found the telephone and described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. A cup of murder. Politicians have a reputation for being slimy and untrustworthy. However, not many have a reputation for murder. On October 28, 1880, a man was born who would take on the world of Australian politics. A man whose opponents had a history of mysteriously dying. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Thomas John Lay was born in Bath, England on December 28, 1880, and when his father died a few years later, his family relocated to Australia where he would spend the rest of his life. He was a bright boy who showed a lot of promise in a number of subjects. 
When he was 10 years old, he left school so he could work as an assistant in his mother's grocery store, and soon taught himself shorthand and began working as a junior clerk stenographer in a solicitor's office at just 14. Soon thereafter, he joined the Sydney Mechanics School of Arts, honed his debating skills, and married a woman named Emily Louisa along the way. Both he and his wife had a passion for politics and moved to the developing suburb of Hurstville for more opportunity. Within months of moving, he was elected to the local council. He served on council committees, local ratepayers associations, the parents and citizens executive, and was active in a number of Protestant organizations. And while his wife made herself known in the international suffrage movement, Thomas became known as Lemonade Lay for his involvement in the prohibition movement. In 1911, after losing several elections for mayor, Thomas decided to turn his attention away from local politics and to state. He was elected into the New South Wales Parliament in 1917, where he served as a member for Hurstville until 1920, represented the Progressive Party from 1920 to 1922, and represented the Nationalist Party of Australia and St. George from 1920 to 1925. Basically, he made a pretty big name for himself in the world of politics. But along the way, he made quite a few enemies. The teetotaler was accused of betrayal by the temperance movement when he supported legislation that eased the requirements for the sale of alcohol. And it was later revealed that the reason he did so was because he was being paid by the brewery lobby. Despite this, the man who was often described as harsh was appointed as the New South Wales Minister of Justice in 1922. Then, in 1925, as he was preparing to make his next big move, it was publicly revealed by his opponent in the House of Representatives race that he unsuccessfully attempted to bribe him with a 2,000-point share in a property at King's Cross. All he had to do was drop off the ballot. Despite being outed, Thomas won the election. But his one-time opponent, Frederick MacDonald, wasn't done fighting. He sought to have the election declared void in the Court of Disputed Returns on April 15, 1926, but on his way to meet with officials, he mysteriously disappeared. And because he failed to appear in court and present his evidence, the case collapsed and Thomas Lay faced no charges. Now, while many saw this as a simple coincidence, Frederick was only the first of what would become many to seemingly fall off the face of the earth. There was Hyman Goldstein, a public critic of Thomas Lay, who was found dead in 1927 after falling from a cliff in Coogee called Suicide Point. And Keith Greedor, who was tasked to investigate Thomas's dealings with dubious companies and fell overboard and drowned while traveling to Newcastle by boat. In 1928, Thomas lost the federal elections and decided to finally hang his hat and move to England with his mistress, Maggie Brooke a mistress whose husband also died of mysterious circumstances and who was an associate of Thomas's since 1922. Once in England, he changed his career from politics with a side of shady business dealings to all shady business. He became involved in dubious real estate dealings and was a wartime black marketeer, earning himself an arrest and conviction during World War II. In 1946, Thomas Legg got it into his head that Maggie was having an affair with a barman named John McCain Muty. She wasn't, but Thomas was so convinced that he persuaded two of his laborers that John was a blackmailer and needed to be taken out. So together, they tortured and killed the innocent man before dumping his body in a chalk pit in Surrey. 
They were caught, and Thomas, along with accomplice Lawrence John Smith, were sentenced to death in March of 1947. This sentence for both men was eventually commuted. John was given life imprisonment, while Thomas Lay was declared insane and sent to Broadmoor Asylum for the Criminally Insane, where he lived until his death due to a cerebral hemorrhage on July 29, 1947. When he died, he was the wealthiest prisoner ever to be at Broadmoor. When the world found out about the murder of John McKay Muty, it brought the question to their mind. Were all of those mysterious disappearances strictly a coincidence, or was Thomas Lay a skilled killer who took out any man who stood in the way of what he wanted? Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again to hear what terrible thing happened on October 29th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.